When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh, my goodness. It's a counter-attack. It's a new dropper. And now Kevin in the middle of the chip. Mix it on any of you. Stretch it. Stretch it. Mix it on any of you. Stretch it. Chelsea 2. Drop it in the center. The boy just came from the diamond. Let's go back. Possibly bleak as this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Chessie Hour. We've got a jam-packed episode today. I'm joined by some real touchline heavyweights, you know, a lot of favourites. We're joined by old faces, you know. I'm going to start with one of them. Jay, how are you doing? I'm good, bro. What are you telling me? Yeah, I'm not too well myself, man. Always good to have you on. Um, and also, repping us today, we've got Meads. Meads, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. Good to hear, good to hear. We'll, we'll see how that changes as we go along in the podcast today. <laughs> and Tipson, <laughs> <laughs> Tipson, how are you doing? Very good, bro. Glad to be on. Yeah, I, c- I can tell there's a lot of positive feeling. Maybe probably because maybe because we haven't played any football in, in a while, so... I'm going to probably take away that feeling and get straight into the nitty-gritty of it. 1-0, Newcastle, St. James's Park. Obviously, a lot of things went wrong in the day, starting with the lineup, going into the approach of the game. So I'm going to start with you, Mies. What do you think Potter got wrong? And what do you think he should have done going into the game in particular? <laughs> I feel like I've been drawn out. Can you ask me first? Um, well... Oh, man, the lineup. I just remember seeing that attack and thinking, what the actual hell is going on? I mean, obviously, Lewis Hall had an impressive um, outing midweek against Man City. So I'm like, okay, you know, that makes sense for him to start. Obviously, Chilwell's out injured. Midfield, I weren't too sad about. But that attack of Broya, Gallagher and Mason Mount, I just knew what time it was, man. I knew I knew Brozier was going to struggle. I knew he was going to suffer. Um, and I knew ultimately that, that that midfield would be um, a bit of an issue. Um, that being said, to be honest, Jorginho, I felt he did quite well. Um, but yeah, by and large, I, I always felt it was going to be a bad day. Newcastle generally is quite a tough place to go anyway. So with my distrust of Potter right now, um, yeah, I, I weren't really expecting much. I was shook, um, ultimately, and it kind of told in the end. 
Got you fair enough. And um, with the attack in particular, so obviously he had um, Mount and Gallagher um, in behind Brogia. So do you think there was a particular reason why um, Potter went, went with that um, approach and why do you think he may have, he may have done that in particular on, on the day? Um, you know what? I think it might be... Um, obviously, Raheem Sterling, World Cup, don't want to make the risk. I don't know. Um, so maybe that probably played a, played a factor. Um Probably wanted to give Brogia just a little bit of a run because in, in, in terms of him starting, he's not really had much consistent starts. So I kind of understood that. Um, the, yeah, the Mount and the Mount and, um, and, and Gallagher thing, I, I didn't get it. I didn't actually get it at all. Um, maybe the idea was to like you know have four, four midfielders there to really kind of bo- create a box and dominate the midfield area. Um, I generally can't. It was just, yeah, I I, I can't actually understand it. Um, We had Hutchinson on the bench. Um, He didn't get on. So yeah, for me it was just very, very strange. If if that's the time you want to experiment, fine, you know, that by all means do so. But with players that you've seen already, seen that aren't really doing it and cutting it in those positions, I don't know. Gallagher for, for what it's worth, to be honest, when he did get a moment in a in a central figure, um, he did kind of come to the fore and start to make things happen. Um, but it just was all quite messy, man. It was all very, very messy. Fair enough, fair enough. And when we look at the um, makeup of the Newcastle game, Newcastle team, sorry, and the, and the way they approach games, so it's obviously going to be a really physical battle. They're going to try and bully you, and that's exactly what they did um, on the day. Um, do you think Potter kind of miss, how can I say, maybe underrated that aspect of the game? And do you think there may have been other things, other approaches that we could have done with? Because I know, obviously, a lot there's a lot that's been said about um, potentially playing on Amari Hutchinson, but do you think he could have maybe even he may have even struggled in that kind of game because it felt as though a big part of Newcastle's game of the day was to be pressing from the front and just try and bully us in terms of like the physical duels. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I mean, look with the physical side, I think even like for example, people complain about Jorginho's lack of physicality, but I think he was evading the press with pretty much ease. I felt. Um, you know, I think he got won a lot of fouls because they were onto him. And you're you're right, they were very very aggressive. Um, but I feel like when you're under pressure and when you um, when when a team like Newcastle is pressing you, um, you need to have players that are actually quite good at retaining the ball. Um, and Gallagher's ball retention, especially out wide, isn't there. Generally, his ball retention is quite l- loose. So with that, whenever the ball's going out wide. Always, it's always going to come back to you. Always flying back at you. Uh, Mason Mount's ball retention has fallen off a cliff this season, and it's generally quite good, um, to be honest. Um, if there's one thing that yeah, I'd say he is pretty decent at, is actually holding on to the ball pretty well. Um, but again, the ball just kept coming back. When he got it wide, he kept getting snuffed out as well. Um, Kovacic as well. I think he's kind of... I think the last couple of games as well, I'd say, he's been quite sloppy with his passing, sloppy with his retention of the ball as well. Um, so again, it was really only Jorginho that was holding it down when it comes to like you know being able to handle the press. Um, Hutchinson, I think 
would have probably given them a lot more to worry about. I feel like with um, like Dan Byrne had an easy game. You know, I think Dan Byrne had one of the easiest games of his career because uh, he had nothing to really worry about in terms of an attacking sense. Um, Mason Mount didn't trouble Trippier at all. Um, so, yeah, it was just a pretty easy game for, for their defenders. And I feel like there's a big understatement when it comes to attack being a, a, a defensive weapon because a lot of teams, their approaches will change if, they've got a de- if they're up against a dangerous attack. Where Chelsea have a tepid attack, they're not going to be scared. Therefore, it's going to be the onus and a lot of the work is going to be falling on your defenders to do work. And I think that's what people, a lot of people miss the trick. When I say, oh, no, we don't need necessarily defenders, midfielders, I don't say that as that, like, okay, look, there's, you know, it's, um, it's not an issue that needs to be fixed. But I always say fix the attacks first and foremost because that is your first line of defence because teams will care, teams will worry. People will be scared about your attackers doing damage, you get me? And I think that has been missed not only by previous managers too. I think it's a, it's been a big problem for a while. Yeah, I agree with that definitely. Definitely, definitely <clears throat> And coming on to you, Jay. So, what do you think? What do you make of the Newcastle game? Where where do you think the game was lost for us in particular? I I just think to be honest with you, I think it still comes down to the same thing that we've been complaining about for a year. So, like me, touching it at the end there, but like, just just sometimes you can play like really bad. Like you can be play, you can have a poor patch. Even as a team, like four or five games, you could be you you might not be playing well, but normally a big team, they have at least two guys that you'd be genuine that you genuinely worry about them. Do you know what I mean? Like as in to say, like in your team talk, you're, you're telling you're telling guys, you're telling defenders, like listen, don't let this guy get time on the ball, don't let him turn, or if it's a midfielder, you're telling them don't let him get his head up because he will hurt us, or if it's like what it's been recently and it's like someone like Reese James who's so lethal in terms of in the wide areas or if he gets a shot on the edge of the box or something like that or you know he's so good at like popping up in them areas um like on the right where he gets into the box and he's got a clean shot on goal it's like you'd worry about that but problem with Chelsea and it's been like this for like me just said for a while now is that we we genuinely don't have anybody that people worry about anymore and and that's what a bit before anything I feel like that's our biggest issue going into games and I used to say not just about the attack I used to say about wing backs as well like last season so like obviously with Alonso everybody knew about goal threat and all that kind of stuff but in terms of marking him and playing him in the game I don't think people really worried about him like that because he's not that kind of a threat and with Aspie it's the same thing so like with Cucurella I think even when Cucurella plays for us now it's like He's more of a passer, like he he kind of fizzes the ball into the to the attackers and stuff like that. But he's not he's not necessarily someone that you're going to be worried about one v one. Do you get what I'm saying? So then we've got nothing on we've got nothing coming from wing backs. We've got nothing coming from Gallagher and Mount because they play the game in front of you more time. And then obviously you have got Broja, but what's the point? Like you, you're not going to have to worry about him if there's nobody really playing him in like that. So that's why it was so easy for Newcastle. And I think the biggest disappointment in that game was that if I wanted to see anything from Mason and Gallagher, it would have been, don't let them man breathe. Don't let that defence and all them guys get the ball and have all the time in the world. And it was the, it was the complete opposite. Like, they had all the time in the world to play their passes. Trippier was relaxed. Um, Dan Byrne was relaxed. Botman was having a field day, like, with with um, with Broja. And, and Broja's not an easy player to play against. It was easy, man. It was easy. Yeah. Broja's not an easy player to play against. Like, he can bully you. Like, he can... He can really get into your face, like if he wants to, but it's just 
he just he didn't get anything from. from Do you know that, what it is, Jay? Yeah? You know what it is. I completely agree, and I feel like I just feel like our press, yeah, since Potter's come in, our press has been horrible, like horrible. And obviously, it's one thing. Like this is the thing where people say, "Oh yeah, Mason Mount's amazing presser." Yeah, that's cool, great presser, but it's only good when you know systematically it's actually a, a unit thing. So he's the trigger, and then it's not like because the thing is with it now, yeah, we're leaving g- gaping spaces, and it's where we're doing like a half press almost, and like one pass, and you're you're through us. It's it's actually horrible, horrible, mm. and like obviously. Like, I think even under Tuchel, for, I think earlier this season especially, I think the pressing, um, especially from Mount side, um, it w- was just pretty just poor. You know what I mean? And I, I just feel like right now, the players, the way that they're just going about things is just really, really poor. And obviously, Potter has to take some accountability because I feel like the way he's setting us up um, at, just structurally is really poor. You get me? So... I think that's not helping us at all. I don't, I don't think that's helping Mount or Gallagher to really impose themselves on the game in terms of the pressing side. So, I, I, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's not good. It's not good, man. <laughs> and coming on to you, Timson. So, looking at the game, in particular, um, our approach to it, do you think there was any possibility that we could have come away with the three points if we went with a different approach? Or do you think it was just a set result that we weren't ever going to win that game? Well, there's always a chance if you do something if you do something different to what clearly didn't work. Um, in terms of the observations for what went wrong specifically, I noted two things. One, we just did not know how to deal with their press. So Chelsea just tend to struggle with athletic, energetic pressing teams. We Potter hasn't discovered a start a. a, a tactic to um, beat these pressing, whether it's going long, whether it's um, intricate passes with the midfield and defence linking up, someone from attack dropping in to create overloads in midfield. We just hasn't, he just hasn't decided and narrowed, honed in on a specific way to beat the press. And against Newcastle specifically, we didn't have um, the quality when on the ball to deal with their press. So ultimately we had, uh, we were going long. And Armando Brozier is six foot three. What is Armando? Armando Brozier is no small guy, but Armando Brozier is six foot three, 21 years old. Um, and what? He probably weighs about 60, 80 kg, apparently, based on what I can see online. Um, you put him up against aerial balls against Fen Botman, who's six five, and Dan Byrne, who's six six and 87 kg. What is he meant to do? And even if he does manage to hold the ball, the gap between him and the and the rest of the attackers is, and midfield is so wide that it was it was bound to break down, especially with the intensity that Newcastle were pressing with. And then to raise your point about Mason Mount and um, Conor Gallagher specifically, it was disappointing because I would think that those two starting in a game would be for energy. So I've said, I've kind of likened Conor Gallagher to a double espresso, just a, a, a strong shot of energy 
going into a midfield in specific moments in a game, especially games when you're on top so he can do what he likes to do, which is affect things in the final third. But that pressing game, that counter-pressing game was just not there against Newcastle. And that was one of the most disappointing things um, in addition to the lack of quality in playing out uh, and playing out from the back and trying to beat Newcastle's press. Very well put. And um, coming back on to you, Amid, in terms of um, the attacking threat and where, where we do, like in terms of that being our um, first line of defence, looking at how we played this season, in terms of like, who's actually played in attack, what would your ideal front three be that could potentially allow us to pose a bit more of a threat to defences? Um... <sighs> Honestly, I wouldn't even play it as a three. I'd, I'd probably go to a four-two-three-one, um, only because I feel like where you have Aspi, who barely moves going forward. I mean, he does have the other game where he's obviously venturing forward, but I really wouldn't want him up there. Um, and I just feel like when I think Kai, I'd include him purely because I think he's probably one of the only few players that. I personally think um, actually gets a bit busy. Um, I think there's obviously games where he's very, very passive and pretty much non-existent. Um, but I'd probably play him as the 10. Um, Raheem left wing, Aubameyang up top and right wing. I get, you know what? Of all players that have played in the attack this season, under um, Potter. I do think Pulisic, when he has played, although it's not been great, I wouldn't say that I've left the, I've, I've left the match thinking, oh, yeah, he's been horrible today. I think Pulisic, at the very least, has tried things. It may have not come off entirely, um, but he, he's tried things. Um, and, yeah, I think we just need dribblers out wide. And I, I think if he's playing right wing or left wing, I, I just put him out wide, man. Obviously, if it's not him, then probably Hutchinson. Simply because I just want I want literally players that can open up a game. And obviously, I've, I've seen Hutchinson for the youth team. I've seen him for Arsenal as well. He's a very impressive young player. And there's a lot to ask of him. It's a lot to ask of him as a what 19-year-old. Um, but I feel like our attack is so it's in so much disarray and we've got so many players, but it's so messy and just... No one's really, for me, no one's really of, like, a super elite level to, like, stand out. So, you know, you could put any combination of the attack and you're still going to have the same issue where it's not going to be potent or super threatening enough, if that makes any sense. Obviously, Raheem, you guys know my res- – I had my reservations about Raheem for some time. Um, he's not been great, but I do think he can score. Um, but, yeah, the way it's been going for him – under Potter's just not been great at all, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a mad one. Obviously, we need fresh blood. Um, I don't think the players are as bad as, you know, they're playing. But I also think a lot of them are probably at the end of their cycle um, where, you know, Chelsea are trying to kick on and move on to different things, but they're, they're still here. Um, Agreed. Sorry, Agreed. And, and I think I think a big thing you just said is being at the end of the cycle. Yeah. It's, it's something that... <laughs> It's something that Ivan wanted us to move on with, you know, eventually, you know, for the last couple of seasons, you know, just bringing a new, a new fresh set of players that have a new set of hunger. Because I know um, Pep Guardiola spoke about it with Rio Ferdinand, where he asked him the simple question of, 
given how many titles you've won, you know, during your during your Premier League career with Man United, how many of them were the, were the same players? And he literally said none of them. And I feel like looking at a team at that level whereby they're consistently winning leagues and the fact that they themselves need to consistently have a refresh, you know, bring in new, new, new blood. I mean, you, look, you compare it to a team that hasn't been as successful in the Premier League, I feel like it kind of like leaves you a, 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 your own answer there anyway from that question. So coming back onto you, Meads, you know, you, you've really spoken about your distrust of Potter currently. So what does Potter need to do for you to turn it around, given the Ooh. current players that we've got? Oh, it's very, it's very simple for me. I think structurally, you need to put a, a put in place a, a structure that not only the players understand, but one that you stick by and you're not chopping and changing every every single week. You know, every single week. I think structurally we are a complete joke and we're so easy to play against. So I think if he was to improve the structure and get us to a position where we actually looked relatively organised, because um, I, obviously I love free-flowing football, but there needs to be a structure in place. You know, Man City don't play the way that they play. They don't play free... There's not like a... There's always patterns, and I don't see any patterns of play at Chelsea at the minute. Like, I, like I, when I say that, it's very reminiscent of um, Frank Lampard. I'm not saying it to be disrespectful. It is literally what I'm seeing. Literally what I'm seeing. The first two games, obviously, I saw a lot of similarities to what I saw under Tuchel, but the one main thing that I saw that was different was how quickly we were trying to play, which was like, okay, you know what, fair enough. He's trying to play quickly. He's trying to get us to move it quickly and move it faster, move it. We're trying to move more vertically um, um, into the box a lot more quicker. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I see it. Um, but since then, it's just looked a complete and a mess. Um, players don't look like, look like they know what they're doing. Um, it just looks very, very amateurish. Um, so I feel like, yeah, one, establishing a pattern of play. Two, um, getting a, a structure that's organised um, and, yeah, get, get players playing because right now there's not a single player, not a single player that looks good. Like, I, I, maybe, what, Thiago Silva, I guess? But even Thiago Silva, for me, I think he's just a great defender. But even Thiago Silva, I feel, will be making little silly errors because he's unsure of what's around him. He's unsure of who he can pass it to, to trust with the ball. Because right now, the system feels like it's failing. So it's almost like everyone looks at least a level or two below their best. And that's a very big concern. Very big concern. Because I don't. that means when you're a level two or two below your best, especially in the Prem, anyone could beat you. Anyone could touch you. And if that's consistent, we're going to be in big trouble for a period of time. You know what I mean? So for him to turn it around, he needs to... There's a Whilst it's simple in my eyes, obviously it's not. But when I say those are the, the, the two simple things that I feel like for him to turn it around, those are the things that he needs to do. Um, for me, those, those are that's the real thing. I don't really care about the transfers or whatever. No, he, structurally he needs to improve. Um, and tactically he needs to improve massively, man. Because it's just, it's not on. It's not on. Very well put. And I think I agree with you on, on probably all of those points. Um, coming on to you, Jay, do you think there's a reason why we haven't seen um, a structural improvement on the Potter and why do you think that may be? Um, to, to be fair to him in his defence, I do think the circumstances that he's come into compared to like a lot of the managers, like 
when you look at the games that we've just recently lost as well, in terms of the teams we lost against, Arsenal are pretty much like in their kind of like not final form, but they're not far from it. You've got um, Eddie Howe, who's already had six months with Newcastle, already had Bruno G there last season as well. So like in terms of the way they've been working, they're they're, they're probably further ahead than us as well. Um, you've got, who else do we play? United, I think they're, I, I, I think they're in a similar situation, but I think United have got a few more players that are at least showing some kind of quality, especially like in the final third at times, like they can win a game or whatever. You've got your Bruno Fernandes, who, who as much as he can play crap or whatever, he can just win you a game. Um, but they have also plugged areas that are actually really important for them. So like Casemiro, for example, Martinez at the back, for example. And and I think they're they're obviously operating with more consistency. But they've also had that pre-season as well where they where they got to find out who was who was up for the challenge and who was gonna really like play well in the team or whatever. So kind of like they've made their mistakes early, whereas Potter was always gonna I feel like some of these games are always gonna come for Potter because of when he's come in as well. And that's more on the owners than than obviously himself, because obviously the owners should have just been I think the owners should have just been kind of straightforward from the beginning. You have a go with Sukor or you go with Potter from the very beginning. And that way you kind of avoid some of this stuff. I'm not saying it would have been perfect, but I do think you would avoid so much confusion and, you know, who you want at the club and transfers and all this kind of stuff. But in terms of just if we concentrate on him being here now and, and why he's struggling now, I think it's also because of what he believes is the best way to kind of um, teach his way of playing. And I think he said earlier on, he said that um, he doesn't really focus on formation. He focuses more on all the players being comfortable in the squad with the way that he wants to play, which would explain why you see so much chopping and changing, why you see so many different formations. Whether we think it's right or wrong, this is obviously what he believes. So um, that kind of explains a lot because he's trying to make sure that basically everybody that is playing in this squad that comes in from the bench or starts or whatever, you can play the way he wants to play. The only thing I'd say is wrong with that is that at Brighton, you were pretty you were pretty sure about who was still going to be at your club next season. Um, the circumstances weren't anything like this. Whereas with Chelsea, I think it's dangerous to kind of come into it like that and, and kind of stick to that way when 60% of this squad might not even be the same next season. Do you understand? A couple could go in Jan, a few more could go in, in summer. All of a sudden, you've got like six or seven players that he was working with, they're gone. Do you understand? So, so for me, he, he, what I would do is I would focus on, what I think he should do is focus more on the players that he can trust, that he can kind of like um, guess will still be here. Because it's going to be up to him as well, but there's also players that he can't help kind of like in terms of renewing their contracts and that. So like people like Jorginho, Kante, um, I'm not saying Jorginho shouldn't start because he's been one of the better players on the pot, but um, you know, like you're not sure if Kante is going to be here. Kovacic has spoken about maybe a new challenge that like you're not sure if he's going to be here. So like, it's, it's just a weird kind of, I don't know, it's a weird season for me in terms of like, if you're going to kind of try and coach all these players to play the way you want to play, but then, you know, come summertime, half of them are not here. So he needs to kind of get that consistency going with with at least six or seven guys in the team at least, so that he's got some kind of foundation to work with. Because um, otherwise, he's just gonna. I feel like he's gonna find it very difficult because these guys also lack quality. 
like Brighton, I know um, we don't like to talk about Brighton because it's obviously his, his, his um, former team and that. But there, there's a lot of guys in that Brighton team that got more quality, bro. Like, we have to be honest. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like, um, like who? I think, like, for, for at the moment, for example, in midfield, I feel like if you're getting Loftus-Cheek to play that role that you're getting him to play now, Casado is going to play that role better than him. Do you understand? It's not even... I don't even think it's a convo. Like, it's, 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 clean, it's clear as day. But that's, know, not, that's, not, that's not necessarily you know saying disagree. that... A bit, say that again? You know I'm going to disagree. <clears throat> in I'll that role... This. I'm gonna say like this. Oh, I'll see it better than Casado in that role. Maybe, maybe not. Who, who knows? But here's what I'm gonna say. When you're at Chelsea, for example, I think playing for Chelsea and playing for Brighton are two different beasts. And people need to recognize that. At Chelsea, the expectations of what you can do or what you should be doing with the football, not the same as Brighton. It's not and despite the fact Brighton play, that's the thing. But the expectations, what you're demanded of, is very, very different. The respect that you get is very, very different. You know what I mean? Like, I, like you can't pluck guys from Brighton, put them here, and expect them to play as well as it is Brighton, even if the coach is the same. I, I personally wouldn't expect it. Because Chelsea, as a team, have a different set of expectations. That, and that, that's how I view it. I feel a big, the biggest issue and biggest concern that I've had on the Potter, though, isn't this the chopping and changing thing? This is him. Like, uh, this is him. He done it yeah, at Brighton. Yeah. Done it at Brighton. So this is what you expect, right? But his idea is that there should be a consistency, regardless of who's playing. There should be a consistency of regards to formation. Well, football doesn't really work like that, and this is no surprise. And this is what no surprise why he always used to get mixed results at Brighton. Like mm. his results used to be a mess. Like there used to be like ten game runs where he's not winning, five game runs where he's losing, because he's chopping and chaining all the time. Did you get? But you but I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that that was the. But the step. But the thing is, what I'd say about that is the results thing. You're right. Like they were up and down. But I think what stayed consistent though was that the way he, the way his team played, they would still play majority of the time. They would still be the team that played a better football. Not so true. I think that's not. That's not true. No, that's, that's not true. true. I'm not having that. That's not true. That's not true. Because I think, not true. I think they had the same. I think they had the same issue, similar mm. issue that Chelsea had up top, which was, was they would they would make they would create opportunities, but the the problem was they didn't have anybody and they haven't had anybody for a very long time at Brighton that right. could get more than 15, 20 goals. Or, so you know, so what's so what's changed this season for Brighton? Same team. Yeah, same team. Barely any attackers have changed. They've got a McAllister. No, 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 nothing's changed, but 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 productivity from people like Trossard is, has gone up, though. Yeah, okay, and that's why I'm asking you, what's changed? You were just talking about players and the same issue about this is what I'm trying to this is what I'm trying to get at. We're talking about players not having the quality to, you know, in terms of the goal scoring quality, didn't have that before. But they suddenly got it this season. You know, it happened under Potter and the Zerbi, right? What I'm saying is the way I'm looking at it, Potter and Zerbi this season, there's been a level of consistency in the team that he's picking. As a result, their productivity, their capacity has been far better. Zerbi's not changing like a Potter is. Potter used to change that every single week. But these men now are playing consistently. As a result, their productivity shoots up. What does That, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me at all. You know what I mean? Not to mention, I think Deserby's probably a better coach than him as well. But on, even under Potter, Trossard was getting goals. You know what I mean? So it's like, his, his, his issue for me 
is lack of consistency. But he's expecting consistency from players that aren't playing every week. It, 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 for me, it don't make sense. Like, the, but do you the, think? Do you think? Do you think if he plays these forwards consistently, you think they're going to start scoring? Potentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I think if know. you have more, I think most players. We like, saw it under two call though. Yeah, but no, no, but that, that's the thing. Nobody was playing consistently. The only one that was playing consistently was Mason Mount. And what happened to Mason Mount's numbers? He was scoring goals. It wasn't a great amount, but he scored goals because he was consistently playing. I think if you play people consistently enough, they will get numbers. Doesn't mean that they're going to get astronomical numbers, but they will get better numbers than they did. If Havertz is only playing, what, 15 games a season or starting 15 games a season in the league and play, what, play me get like 25 appearances, you get an odd 50 minutes, he's not going to score the goals. Like, this is why I look, I look at what he's doing with Brogia and Aubameyang. Doesn't make sense to me because... You should give 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 it to Aubameyang or give it to Broya. Let them play. And then yeah. let the other guy come in and get there. Because how are you going to get consistency? You know I, I think, mean? I think it, that's the thing, though. With us, I think it's tough because when you play, you, you could play one of our attackers for four or five games. And I think the problem is out of those five games, sometimes you might only get one really good one, that really good performance. And then you've got five performances where they're kind of like some are like a couple of them are okay. You might have one that's really, really good. And one that's like good, and then it's like, but but in those five games, they also on top of that, what you're what, so what you're looking at, you're looking at performance because you can't just look at numbers. You, you look at performance as well, obviously. So mm-hmm. even if that, just because they don't score or assist, if they've had a good performance, you still give them like you still give them another like you still give them a run in it because they're performing. But I think w- w- the difference between when I've watched say, say for example Brighton and when I watch Chelsea is mm-hmm. that Chelsea like Brighton's. Um, Brighton's guys, they might not get on the score sheet, they might not get an assist, but they, but they, but they still look like they're performing well. With mm-hmm. with with our attackers, I feel like not only are we not getting the numbers, but there are some horrible, horrible performances in there, and that's what leads. That's what often has led, even for Tuchel. And I always said this: people say, "Oh, why is Tuchel chopping and changing? Why don't you trust any of these attackers, bro?" Because mm-hmm. you need to give him something to trust, bro. Like right. you have to give him something. And I don't, the our I don't disagree. Were, I don't they, disagree. They giving him anything. I don't disagree. But here's my view: right, in order to repay a manager's faith, more by and large, they should be helping you and trusting you when you're down. Do you get it? Mm. I don't think Tuchel's given that to anyone. I don't think Potter's given that to anyone. But obviously, Brighton is a different beast, isn't it? I can't say I watch them every single week. No, but, same, same. But Tuchel at Chelsea, for example, the only person I'd say that who he trusted consistently to find form or, or you know, repay his faith was Mason Mount. As a result, Mason Mount played pretty much every other like every game, you know? And the moments that Mount was not playing well, for an extended period of time, Tuchel brought him out. You get I, I don't think like that happened last season. It happened this season as well. Matt got dropped, I think, for what was it for one game or so. Um, so I think generally there's been no player, you know, and at, there's been no player at Chelsea bar Mount that's had a consistent run in the team. Like that, and I feel like whilst we say, oh, they, you need to give someone, you know, you need to you need to give him a coach something to trust. I don't think Liverpool have that issue. I don't think... I think, for example, if Diaz ain't scoring goals for a couple of weeks, I think he still might be in the team. You see what I'm saying? I think if Salah... Like, for example, even Salah, at the beginning of his Liverpool career, wasn't scoring goals. He wasn't scoring goals for time. And then he suddenly exploded. 
because he was consistently he was trusted even throughout the, the, the periods where he weren't scoring goals. At his very first season at Liverpool, I think he went like five games without a goal or something like that in the beginning, and then he he, he exploded. Do you get it? I think that, and a big issue with what I'm saying, like my biggest issue as well, and I've said this for years now, Chelsea have too many players and too many in the attack. So you have to, as a manager, you have this temptation like not to stick with a guy because you're like, you've got five other guys. But if you sell everyone, this is what I was desperate for Tuchel to do because I always have been a believer that if you have too many guys, you've got too many mouths to feed, there's going to be people that bitch. There's going to be people that bitch. Oh, why am I not playing? XXX is playing all the time. Why, why am I not playing? You know what I mean? If you have too many players, that's what happens. But if you have like a smaller squad, yeah, and then they all know that potentially, you know what? I'm not behind, I'm not behind five men. I'm not behind four men, you know? It's just, for example, if, for example, Mason has a bad couple of weeks, I can, I can slot in. I'll be patient. I'll wait. I'll still be hungry. But these men, they've got like six other men on the bench. Like... Why do you think Hudson said, no, I, I absolutely have to go? You know what I mean? I absolutely have to go. Because there's too many men. You get it? And if Potter, and my biggest fear is that Potter's a man that loves to chop and change. So if he likes to chop and change, that means he might actually like to have options. And that's what's scary. Because you're adding more players to this mess. And there's going to be no one that gets consistency. So Nkunku could come tomorrow, yeah? Have two, three bad games. Four, maybe four or five bad games because he cost sixty million pounds. But then everyone's calling him a dub. Then there's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, it's not really working for him right now. Let, let let's not let's not persist. We've got five other men like Pulisic, ZH. That you know, I'm a new manager, so I've got Pulisic, ZH. Let's give them another chance. Whatever, bring them in. And Kunku on the bench. Confidence already shot within like five weeks of being there. Do you get it? That's the problem that Chelsea have. Too many players. Too many players. It, it's a big, big mess, you know? And that's something that's a cute, it's accumulation of, I'm sorry, Lampard, Tuchel. It's just, a, it's a whole, obviously Tuchel, less so Tuchel, in fact, more so Tuchel as well, because he bought Aubameyang, Sterling, Dukaku. Do you get it? So there's so many, there's so many issues that need addressing. Um, and I don't think it all falls on, on Potter. But given the way that he's managing the squad, I'm very, very concerned because I think he would like to have loads of players. And if that's the case, we're going to have the same issue where people are going to say, oh, Chelsea, kill attackers, blah, blah, blah. It's just going to be the same thing. We need a manager that likes a small squad because this ain't it. This really ain't it. You get it? Well put, Needs. Well put. And I think that's definitely something that um, within the Chelsea group, we've, we've, I think we've all agreed on the fact that it is a big mess in the squad it does need to be cold and we need to have a bit more consistency in attack because without that consistency, you know, you're not going to be able to see what a, what a group of players are going to be able to do over, over a period of games throughout a season. Um, I listened to the Touchy Gunas um, podcast and they spoke about um, City, Liverpool's sorry, um, Premier League winning team. I believe nine of their starting 11 started 34 or more league games. So that just shows you just how important consistency actually is throughout a season in terms of having like an actual successful season. So, um, Timson, we haven't heard from you in a while, so I'm going to come over to you and get your thoughts on the squad and um, what's currently going on. Um, what, 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 so, what, where do you currently lie with the attack? And ideally for you, what, what would you like to see in terms of it being um, cold? And what would you like to see going forward in terms of like the attacking numbers and who gets to stay? Yeah, I would say there definitely needs to be some sort of culling. There's too many players. Um, and when you have too many players, there's too many 
potential players unhappy and kind of spoiling the rest of the squad by making a making a big fuss. I I'm not sure I want a small squad, but a smaller squad because if we're trying to compete on all four fronts, um, having options to deal with um, like injury injury rushes that impact the squad like this would be important. And we still look at Arsenal and we say they're doing really well, they're flying, but they're one or two key injuries away. I'd rather have potential. I'd rather have depth um, to say, look. We could be down to the bare bones as opposed to we're in trouble. Now, uh, I agree with a lot of what Mead said in terms of Potter likes to rotate, he likes to change things. And I said, in contrast, I understand um, being able to coach fluidly is one of the core principles he's trying to instill in his current Chelsea squad. But I'm someone who prefers the way Klopp did it so he had a set system um, and he just refined that system to deal with multiple tactics from opposition. So he kept his 4 3 3, but he said he, he, he coached them to operate differently against a team that played a back three, that played a 4 2 3 1, played a 4 3 3, or within those different systems tried to attack differently. So that team played, nominally played uh, the same formation, but they were so refined that they. In, they, they tactically were were diverse enough to deal with all opposition tactical threats and deal with them accordingly to get the win. So in terms of the overall squad, uh, there definitely needs to be a culling. And I agree with, once again, with what Mead said in, this, in that you bring in Nkunku, but he doesn't score because the rest of the squad hasn't necessarily been fixed uh, in the sense that where's a DM? There's still a lot of guys in the squad taking up taking up space that aren't really pre performing. So I'm one of those radicals that would probably have a massive clear out. And I'm talking about your Georgies, your Kantes, your Covers. Not because I don't like them. Um, I've had my issue with some of them. Some of them because of injuries, and some of them because I don't think they add much. But just because we've these guys, we already know what they're going to give us. Just for a clearer and just to give Potter that opportunity to start again and make the mid and make the team his, I'll clear these guys out because uh, it's already been clear that we've seen the best that they can give us in the Chelsea shirt. And I would like to just move on from that, move on from that era of midfielders. Because at the minute, they're just kind of blocking up potential for more players to come through and show what they can do if they can grow. And we can get definitive answers if a Gallagher is good enough, if a Mount really is that, really is deserving of the faith that managers are putting him. So, yeah, it's not all on him. Obviously, he's dealing with a multitude of like um, several several managers' personnel. So, uh, I, I want him to have the opportunity to build a squad, but at the same time, um, I'm not I'm not blinded going going trust trust Potter, trust the process. Simpson, I've got a question. Yes, you. I've got, I've got a question. So where, where uh, obviously you're saying you, you want to change pretty much every area of the squad, essentially, um, in one go. Um, but, I'm not saying in one go, but oh, okay. Um, okay. yeah, not yeah, it would be ridiculous to change it. it it'd have to be gradual, of course. Right. So well, this is why, that's what I was saying, like, in terms of like, 
good enough. Okay, the defence is not good enough. Do you know what I mean? Because, let's put it like this, yeah? Remember under Tuchel, we had a great defence. We had Rudiger performing out of his skin, Thiago Silva. Then you got a, a choice of Aspilicueta, Christensen, even Shaloba, for example, last season. Ooh, it was fantastic, by and large. Um, you had your wing-backs. You had, um, um, what's his name, Chilwell, and you had Reese James. Obviously, when they were both fit, that back five certified. We knew. We knew what we're getting from them. We knew they're certified. Obviously, N'Golo, we know exactly what we're getting from him. Jorginho, for me, we, like, under Tuchel, he was very, very good, very reliable. Obviously, there's certain deficiencies in the get his game that we all know about. But ultimately, if the system is functioning, he's pretty much good enough. And we're good with him. Um, Kovacic, Kovacic for me was probably one of our best seed players last season when he was fit and available. Now, the attack has always been the issue, right? I feel if you fix the attack first and foremost, because these are the same players, yeah? Maybe a year or two on from, you know, us winning things, but... Let's put it like this. If you fix the attack, can they attack even when we won things? We're still an issue. Fix the attack. See where that takes you. And see how badly we need said midfielder or how badly we need said um, defender. I think it gives you, it will give us a far clearer idea as to what we need if we fix that attack first and foremost. Because I think under Tuchel, most, most, more, more, more um, pertinently than Potter, we were entering the final third consistently, consistently, into entering into the penalty area consistently, but choices were poor. Mount shooting into bodies. Um, Havertz not seeing the pass. Pulisic trying to dribble. Ziyech whipping it, like spam crossing it or shooting. You know what I mean? The decision-making of the players was shocking. You know what I mean? To the point where I remember in times where you're seeing two on the touchline going absolutely me- mental at the players and their decision-making. So could it be the players? Probably, maybe, who knows? But I think if you change that attack, you'll get a clearer idea. And then, obviously, like I said, that may be the first line of defence, one. Two, I think that will give you a clear idea, okay, if, for example, there is a deficiency, say, for example, Kovacic, blatantly going to be injury-prone or is underperforming for a period of time, you're like, okay, you know what? Copper, you got to go. You know what I mean? It'll give you a better um, idea of um, making a fairer assessment. I think right now, it's it's just too. Um, for me, it's too evident. The attack needs it's, it needs to be changed, and it doesn't necessarily need to be personnel change. But the way the attack is structured, the way the attack is utilized in terms of using so many bodies, that needs to change because otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in this mess all over again, even if you get a whole bunch of new players. You sell Havertz, Mount, Pulisic, Ziyech, Aubameyang, Sterling, Broya, sell them all. And then you bring in another eight players. You're going to get the same issue. Do you get it? For me anyway. That's my that's my my belief. You will have the same, same issue. I mean, um, there's some common ground I think we have in regards to this attack. So one of the things that started to win me over to part of side is the way we started. So the fact that we were scoring more than two and three goals uh, somewhat regularly at the start of his reign, I thought, has he got this attack Has he got this attack firing? Um, and that looked to be the case for a period of time because for years I felt like Chelsea's attack has been um, coming up short under Lampard, under Tuchel, 
Tuchel kind of crafted this pragmatic style that was tactically solid, but it kind of grounded out results. wasn't pretty to watch at times, but it grounded out results. But the attack was never really firing. So when he had the likes of Mason Mount, Sterling scoring goals, I thought, okay, maybe this is the guy to take us forward. But now we've seen that the attack has regressed and it's looking um, dire at times, particularly in the Newcastle and Arsenal games. And a lot of the signings that I want to make in other positions, mm. uh, some of the reasons why I want to bring certain players in. So, um, for example, all right, in, in defence, I would love to bring back Ian Martin and um, Dujon Sterling because um, they add value in attack. So obviously that helps towards that helps facilitate other that helps facilitate the actual attackers. Mm. Also, um, I'm pro a DM for sure, just because it would be very nice to have a defence first minded uh, midfielder capable of anchoring a midfield on his own to allow your Mason Mount, your Conor Gallagher, or or um, Ruben off the cheeks to bomb forward and and focus more on attack in the games where we're playing against opposition that aren't really troubling us. So that's a that's a DM to help further facilitate our attack. And then even in that attacking space, I, we list I listed some players in like before you jumped on, before we started recording. I listed a couple of players who have just X factor, the ability to beat a man one on one and create things just because I feel like that's what we're lacking. So yeah, I do think the attack is a major issue and um, I would like to facilitate that um, as best we can. Like you said, doesn't necessarily mean um, personnel changes. I think personnel changes would help, but the attack just needs to be, the, the attack definitely needs to be looked at because even if the defense is poor, even if the midfield is poor, like let's look at Liverpool before they signed Van Dijk. They had a they had their attack, which was certified. They could still outscore teams. Straight shootout, they had their attack to build them out. Our attack is our biggest liability at, um, in, for large portions of this of this season and last season. So yeah, it's definitely an issue that uh, I would definitely prioritize outside of uh, one or two key positions. Like you take Reese James out that you take Reese James out of the equation. We definitely need a competent right back. Um, at this moment in time. Uh, so, but besides that, and possibly a DM, I would definitely put everything I can into revitalising the attack. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just remember the Liverpool, the, even when people use Liverpool as, a, a, as an example, I feel like, um, yeah, that Liverpool had that attack on Smash. They had that attack on Smash before they got Van Dijk, before they got Alisson. They had the attack. It was there. It was ready. You know what I mean? And that changed everything. That changed everything because it, it put it put you in a position where you fear Liverpool. You fear their attack. And then they got the defender in January. They got Van Dijk in January. Then they got Alisson the summer after. And that, that, that again, that transformative impact. I feel like if, we, if you build from anywhere else other than the attack, I think it just, you missed the opportunity to really see what that team's about. Because after other than Van Dijk and Alisson, they didn't really have that much. They didn't change much else. You know, that attack was certified. They added Van Dijk. They got Alisson in goal. They didn't really change much else, to be honest. That I mean. Yeah, who are teams getting to, who, who are teams afraid of when it comes to Chelsea? Oh, we're playing Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea oh. are a big club. But who are oh, we yeah. fearing? 
even you look at Spurs, they're fearing Kulisevsky's son when he's on form, Harry yeah. Kane, like even Rashford when he felt when 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 he's on his game, um, yeah. Martial, like yeah. Garnacho, like the Anthony. There's a, there's a fear factor with those attacks. There's no fear factor with us. That's the thing. The only fear factor you have when you come up against Chelsea is you're up against an elite manager, and we don't have that anymore. So it's just a mess. You don't even have that anymore. We don't even have that. When teams, especially Champions League, big games, they knew they were coming to Chelsea. They knew they were going to get the game of their life because they knew tactically we'll be on it. But now we're not even, it's, it's not even that. People come to Chelsea with no fear of players, no fear of the manager. So it's a jolly up. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a complete jolly up. Babs, I kind of want to get your thoughts. Because obviously you've been hosting, so you've been hiding behind the hosting mic. I want to kind of get your thoughts. Um, what do you think the main issues are? Um, and in terms of Potter, what have you seen from Potter that gives you some degree of confidence that he could be the right person to take this club forward? Cool. Perfect. So in terms of what I've seen so far and what I've seen from Potter that makes me give me, that gives me confidence, I think for me is the man management aspect. I feel like a lot of people haven't been happy with the fact that, you know, you said that, oh, you know, players have given effort, you know, in terms of the public eye. But I've, I think personally, when you look at the, the history of Chelsea's managers, you know, in terms of like who's like, who's like had the best relationship with players, you'll look at obviously like a Jose just because of like the siege mentality he brought about. But eventually the guys did eventually fall out of them. You know, you had the whole free rats thing and all that kind of stuff. Then like you look at the other guy who had an amazing relationship with the players that plays to this day, even in praise, you know, in Carlo Ancelotti. You know, a big part of his management style was the man management aspect. And I feel like with a Graham Potter, we've already seen that here at Chelsea, whereby he's not, you know, throwing any players under the bus. He's not saying, you know, that the, the squad is terrible in, in any sort of aspect. I feel like we're going to see a lot more of that kind of stuff being dealt in, in the back in the back room, if that makes sense. So for me personally, I think that's like a really big positive because then you actually keep the players on your side, you know, at the end of the day. And I feel like it's going to take a while for fans to get used to that because obviously we're a lot more used to, um, you know, a bit more, Honest managers in in that regard, you know, in in the press. But I feel like that that's that's definitely one thing that I mean I've, I've liked so far. Um, I think right. also not just that. Go on. Sorry, bro. Just a quick one. Um, so obviously it's only been that three month, three or four months that Potter's been here. So I don't expect him to be pamming players straight away. Like, I, I just don't, you know. Because remember, even Tuchel, he went pamming, but it took Tuchel a long time. It took him a long time to finally say, yeah, issue, same same players, same results. It took him a lot. It took about 15 months to really say. That, that weren't the first pamming, though. I think the first pamming was when he when he double subbed Cho. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Shouting on the sidelines. Yeah. That, that wasn't the first pamming, but I'm saying that even with the, the Cho sub, he tried to rationalise it in his perspective. Mm. And even after the game, he said and admitted this. I remember it because I was like, no, too cool. you've done him wrong. Regardless of his explanation, he said, I may have been biased because he was right next to me. So I may have been annoyed and just took it out of, on him because he was right in front of me. And I don't think the, the attack was pressing well. So I took him off again. He, he admitted it. He admitted that he could have been biased and he could have seen it wrong. I think he was completely wrong. Because I remember <laughs> Joe coming on and the press was fine. Like, yeah. I think that was completely wrong, flat, flat out wrong. But at least he said it, right? But I'm talking about actual saying, you know what? Yeah, 
nah, these guys just ain't it. It took him a long time. It took him a very, very long time to actually come out and say it. Do you know what I'm saying? So mm. Potter is, you can't, I, for me, I won't give him praise after three months of not, you know, sitting, oh, yeah, these players ain't good enough. You know, it, it, could, it may take him a year. It may take him two years. But he will still eventually come to that conclusion if he was to stick with these guys, in my personal opinion. So I can't give him credit credit for that. But you know, that that's me anyway. That's fair. That's fair. fair. But in terms of how the season's gone, I'm not really surprised because you you, we're in the same group chat. You've seen that a lot of what I've complained about has been consistent over the years in the fact that I just don't think the squad's balanced enough. In the fact that when you look at the Chelsea team, yeah, we don't have a lot of threat and attack, but you know we're going to attack down the left-hand side in an attack and then we're going to attack with, with Reese James at right wing-back. And mm-hmm. when you don't have Reese James at right wing-back, you don't have any other right-hand side threat and you've got Aspilicueta become very, very predictable. And I feel like having to rely on Reese James, who you know is going to be injured consistently every single season, and he has been throughout his Chelsea career, I think that's just like one of our biggest mistakes. And then you look in terms of our front line, as bad as it is, I feel like if you have a right-winger there that offers you a bit more balance you know, in your attack, that can allow you to take more pressure off your other side of your attack. I feel like you're going to be able to do a lot more in, in that regard. I think, you, again, you look at the midfield, same on Usher for me for the last couple of years. The guys have been injury prone. You know, you've got Kov- you've got Kovacic who, coming back from injury, probably should have t- had a sur- had his surgery, you know, and he hasn't been in the best of form this season. He hasn't really performed as well as he can do. You know, Kante, we don't even know when he's going to come back. You know, like at the beginning of the season, it was said he was going to be back, you know, in, um, was it September? Then it was November. You know, I'm now reading online that it's, it's potentially going to be February. So trying to rely on that kind of midfielder where you know, you know you're not going to get him throughout a season. I feel like that's just poor squad planning. And then when you look at also the DM issue, for me, my issue isn't with Jorginho. My issue more so is the fact that we don't have anybody that's able to rotate from and take away the load because we already know that Jorginho, and it's been said um, previously that, he has these mental lapses whereby if he's like been running to the ground a bit too much, he's going to be a lot more prone to mistakes. And when you know that for two plus seasons, I feel like you should probably put a bit more effort into that. And I know we obviously brought Zachary on alone, but that was obviously a panic signing. And it's probably not something that we're going to want to stick with in the long term in terms of like the obvious quality that's needed for Chelsea. So for me, that was like another really, really big issue there in particular. So for me, it's always been that right wing, right back and, and that actual midfield issue. So I feel like in terms of where we are this season, I'm not exactly surprised because I personally, I had us fifth, you know, this season. So mm. being eighth, obviously I don't think is good enough. And I'm not really surprised that we've fallen this this far back because when you look at what our squad is like now and you compound out of the injuries, I was reading today, we have the most injuries in the Prem. So I'm not really surprised by where we are. And the only thing I do hope for going forward is there's a lot less reliance on us trying to just solely rely on like players, if that makes sense. I feel like, we need to have a more balanced squad whereby we're not having to rely on, we're not relying on Reese James to pull something out of the bag, you know, because we've got a right winger that's also been able to support Reese James if he's having a bad day or if the left winger is having a bad day. You know, we've also got another DM that if Jorginho has these mental lapses and he can't play, he can come in, you know, and offer something else. We've got midfielders that are available for our season that can play more than 20, that can start more than 20 games. I don't think we've had a centre mid since. Sorry, who's actually started more than 20 league games, I believe. So that, you know, that alone gone you know, as well, Dad, that with the squad as well, yeah. Under Tuchel, our better games and our better periods would come when James and Kante kind of 
they you know they come back they got a run of games yep, whatever and they and they and they and they performed well even even when Kante wasn't even at top 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 level let's let's just say like we're not we're not even talking like the Champions League run level we're just talking mm-hmm. about like, just a good Kante performance yeah just changes this team do you understand because he's that good like a good Kante performance is better than anything else that like and as much as I love Loftus Sheep like he just he ne- it's different in it do you understand like Kante good and lost a sheep good is completely different. Like, do you understand? Yeah, and, I 100% agree. And, like, even, same, even if you look earlier this year, like, I don't know if you guys remember the, um, the game the we Tottenham won game. against West... No, but just Tottenham, the, the West Ham game, Kante was unbelievable in, in, in that game. This, this is know? what I'm trying and, to say. And, 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 and even with, then, it's with, not really his his top, top standard, you know? Exactly. And, and last season, even with even under Tuchel, yeah? Um, when, even in games where we had Kante, we were still going through this thing of like, you know nil-nil for like a, a good amount of the game. Like, obviously, this is due to more to the attackers, but even Kante could not do enough to, like, get us over the line like that. And and then we had also James, in it to, to, to play these games where it would be him that maybe produce a bit of magic or produce a bit of top quality, that kind of... Like, even, let's just say, yeah, Newcastle game, yeah, we're talking about Newcastle game. We spoke about this briefly before we started, yeah? Newcastle game last season... We probably had a bit more control, and and um, I've heard Mies talk about this as well. Like under Tuchel, I think on the main pod he said that we had a bit more control, and I 100% agree. We did have a bit more control. I think due to many factors as well, not just his coaching, but um, we talked about the partnership at the back. They 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 were comfortable. They were a partnership in the midfield. I think there was more of Kante, Jorginho, and Kovacic. Again, more familiarity, more more of a partnership. Do you understand? I think, game, I think that game it was Jorginho and Kovacic, though. By the way. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Well, against Newcastle, no, no, it, it was it was definitely it was definitely Kante and I, I remember that game because I think I've I've watched it back. It was Chilwell, Jorginho, Kante, Reese, then Ziyech, um, Hudson, and the home game. Top. The home game. Oh, was yeah, 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 yeah. But but Kante, but this is what I'm trying to say. Even in those games, yeah, that Newcastle game, yeah, it was three 0 But let's not forget that Newcastle game was a tough game. Not until Reese James, oh. I think it was, wasn't it second half when Reese James scored the banger with his left foot? No, was it? No, I think they were both, both in the second half. I think. Yeah. yeah they like, they, they definitely like, were both because I remember he had the two chance, he had the two goals when he had the chance to get the hat trick and then Jorginho got the penalty. But this is what I'm trying to say and it's like, with without Kante and James right now, yeah, this team is nowhere near the level it needs to be because... And, and and yeah, we might produce here and there performances where we put we, where we perform without them, but I've seen enough to know, even under Tuchel, without Kante and James, this team is a hundred percent struggling. Because if if we go through our attackers even now, um, people were complaining that um, that Sterling was playing wing back, and I don't agree with the whole Sterling playing wing back thing under Potter. But I also know that it's not necessarily that proper wing back where you're doing all that defensive work, hence why we were so open. Like, I remember people saying, oh, you know, why we, why do we look so open? It's because Sterling isn't actually playing like a wing-back. He's actually playing like a winger. But, yeah. you know, we're, but we're open, though, isn't it? So, yeah. it, that, it's bad. I'm not saying it's good, it's bad. But, yeah. but if you look at the attack, the reason why he's doing that is because even if you look at the attack and you look at your attacking players, why do we have no width? We yeah. have nothing. We have no width, bro. Like, I, I'm looking at the attack here. I'm thinking we've signed six, seven attackers. Why have we not got one demonic winger? Winger, like we have. Why am I? I'm watching Fulham, yeah, and I don't even like William. Will, Means will tell you I hate William, bro. I would never say William come back to my club. You're better than all these attackers. I don't care about that shit. But I'm watching William, and I'm thinking, 
when's the last time I seen a Chelsea player, like a Chelsea attacker, get the ball and do something like this? Because we don't have no width. We don't have anybody that's direct, aggressive, like none of that. And right now, in this league, right now, when you look at all the teams that are, that are, that are doing well, yeah, let's even look at Newcastle. People talking about Almiron right now, yeah? One of the biggest changes that I've seen him doing this season, the guy is fearless, bro. He's picking up the ball and he's just running at you. He's just running at you. Straight away, he's running at you. They've got guys that don't even have end product that are more threatening than our attackers just because they run at you, bro. ASM, his end product isn't even that great, but he's chaotic, bro. Like, he runs at you. He's going to make something happen. We don't, we don't even have that at the bare minimum. The bare minimum, we don't have that. What's Gallagher gonna, gonna do when he gets the ball? He, need, he needs to he needs to turn, he needs to do whatever, he needs to be on the end of things. Mount is kind of similar where you probably you prefer him to be on the end of things because really and truly sometimes, even when he's on the ball, he doesn't give you the quality that you need. You look mm -hmm. at Pulisic. Pulisic was the guy I said that should come on straight away against Newcastle because he was the only guy I could think of that would get the ball, turn, and actually try and go at him. Like try and go at the defense. But even then, I know that Pulisic isn't always that great at even doing that. So then it's like, right, we've only got Sterling, who again, in his recent years, has become a player where he's been more efficient being on the end of things. So it's like, but I, I'm, I'm a believer that Sterling can do what I'm saying, though, like in terms of getting the ball and going past the man. I just think he's in a bad, he's in, he is in a bad moment, like right now. Because under mm. Tuchel, he had two or three games where I remember yeah. watching it and thinking, right, I ain't seen this in a while. And he, and he beat two, three players and, he was, he was in the box, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I don't know, man, like, what, what, the word balance. I would say, though, right what I would say, though, and I think, because I definitely, I'm trying to remember, I remember, I'm trying to remember the last time. So, last last time, New, Newcastle away last season, mm. um, to be fair, they weren't in Newcastle this 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 current iteration. I don't think Eddie Howe was there. It no. might, have been, like, might have been early doors, right? I don't, I'm, I'm t and this generally Newcastle away is a tough, tough fixture. Any yeah, season, probably. any season. But last season, I'm a million percent sure it wasn't a difficult fixture. I because I remember, and yeah, it may be down to Kante and Rhys James. Right? It, may, it may have been down to them. You know what I mean? Obviously, Rhys James scored the two goals. But when I mean control, I don't think it was just like we just had loads of the ball. And I was, bro. Ziyech looked half decent. You know what I mean? Ziyech looked half decent. Like, we, we gave them problems all game. It went, I don't think we scored in the first half. I think it was no not the first half, and then we took the game away from them. Um, but I'm telling you, like, I think... I don't know what it is, yeah? I think the end of Tuchel's tenure has definitely changed the perception as to how generally games used to go under Tuchel. Because, bro... About 90% of the games were in control. And 90% of the games were creating chances. 90% of the games were in the final third and causing people havoc, but we just can't put away to get the goal. I remember there was a game against Burnley, bro, that we, I think we drew the game. Um, I think we drew the game 1-1. We should have battered them. Yeah, we should have battered, battered them. Battered them, bro. And that was, that, that sort of, feeling was so symptomatic of a two-call um, Chelsea that we just couldn't get the ball in the net, no matter the amount of shots, no matter what. Like, we're making the keeper look like he's having a worldie, but we're just not putting it in corners. Like, it, bro, 
oh man, it just it was so so frustrating. So from, so that Newcastle game, I'm I'm a million percent sure, and I I want to ch- I'll check the stats like after the pod. But now you you know you know what it is me. I'm almost certain we had. I'm almost certain we had over 60, 70 percent possession. We had hella shots, but no, but it was recent. You, know yeah, you, you know what? My thing is, it's not even about like that. We, uh, um, we didn't control it uh, like that much on the two call. Like, I know we controlled loads of games like uh, well as well, like in terms of possession, in terms of dominating. But what I'm trying to say is, even in those games though. Sometimes you still felt like, oh, if a goal, like you, you still felt like if the opportunity came and like you still felt like we could draw, draw or lose the game. Oh, yeah, because we didn't get enough. And what I'm saying is now this season, where some of these teams, like you said, that Newcastle wasn't even the same Newcastle. Now they got Bruno G. He's settled. He's he's easily one of the best midfielders in the league. You've got um, a, a, you've got a revitalized like um, Almiron, and then you've got um, what's his name scoring goals as well. And when when teams are in those moments and then you've got us who are kind of, we've lost our two best players. We've lost a couple of guys that we've signed that we thought were going to be big players for us this season as well. And then it's like, right now, it's just the moment that we're in right now as well. And I'm not, and I'm not making an excuse for Potter. I still think he's got a lot of things wrong. Don't get me, don't get me wrong at all. But I'm just saying with these teams that we're playing at the moment, like an Arsenal who are so settled, also better, even though we lost to to them as well last season, like it's that, bro. I just feel like some of these games, I, I don't even see how you could think that another result was going to happen. When some of the games last season, I still felt like we could have lost those games. And I'm yeah. not saying that's okay, but I'm just saying it just says a lot about where this squad is at right now. Are you, are you saying that if are there's you, anything I'm positive about, yeah? And, I was just going to say, if, you, if you, there's anything I'm positive about, go on, Mitz. No, I said that. I said, "Go on, bro." All right, yeah. If if there's anything that I'm positive about in um in in the whole thing with Potter and all these people coming in, it is what Babs is saying in terms of trying to get back to like this this place where we can create a structure and a proper balanced squad where we focus on some of the things that we've all talked about. So like. Spending these money on these on these guys that are coming in and not giving us enough compared to to, to maybe what these youngsters are going to give us. So, like for example, if we didn't have Pulisic, but he was out there on the market, and they were talking about fifty million, fifty eight million for Pulisic, would we like now under this new kind of this new setup that we that we that we're going to have? Because they they even here yet they even started working for us yet properly. But like under this new setup that we have, will they look at a Hutchinson first before they go and get a Pulisic? Do you understand? Cause that that's what I'm kind of hoping. It can I'm hoping it kind of goes down that route where we we start to build a little bit more like that, and also go to get players that are position specific as well, like not just based on our name and potential all the time and all of this kind of stuff. Because I feel like that's that's how we often get into these situations as well. See what I'm saying? And yeah, man, it's, I'm just fed up with the way we've been. Like last few seasons, it just feels like the way we've been building the squad is just so bonkers. Like it's just this was always coming. It's just so happened that it's, it's, it's fallen. It's fallen under like Potter's management as well, where like people like Kante and that and James are also like injury prone, but they're our best players. It's like, it's, it's going to be tough for him this season. Massively. I mean, I, I hear you. You know, I, I, I don't disagree. I feel like the squad planning and not, yeah, I've, I've, 
a lot of the signings I've been against. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know me. You know me. I've always said that like, I'm not a big fan of buying players for the sake of it. I, I just I can't stand that kind of shit. It's um, it's poor. And I, I and and I say that because. I always knew that these moments like this will happen as a result. You know what I mean? Mm. But mm. What I would say is that oh, you're just not sure he's the guy. It's just, yeah, it, it's just, it's not even like just for me. It's not even per se, Potter per se. Like I feel like half of our problems disappear if our attack's good. Like mm. I, I absolutely do. I feel like half of our problems disappear if our attack is good. You know what I mean? And I just feel like at this moment in time, if all we're going to do is add more players to this mess, we're just going to keep finding ourselves in the same thing. You know what I mean? No matter the new recruiters we're bringing in, no matter the new structure and board that we're getting in place, no matter what, that we're going to find ourselves in this situation again. Like if, if, if we're, going to, we're going to make the same mistakes. You know what I mean? This is just going to happen again. And I'm just hopeful that Potter recognises this before it's too late because he will lose his job otherwise, in my opinion. Very well put. And um, to end the pod, um, I just want to talk a bit about... I was going to say, yeah, so to end the pod, I just want to talk a bit about some of the, the new signings and how they've settled in so far and um, our current thoughts on them. So um, starting from the back, um, Kalidou Koulibaly, he's had a bit of a rough time in the last couple of games, you know, the City game not jumping to block the free kick, you know, against Newcastle, having a very, very tough time against, you know, Miguel Almiron. So I wanted to come with you first, Timson, because I, I don't think I've heard your opinion on um, Koulibaly and his signing. So wh- wh- what were your thoughts on him when we first brought him in, you know, in, in terms of the play that we are bringing in? And where do you currently, how do you currently feel that that signing has gone so far? So my initial impression of the signing and my thoughts on the signing now are different. I thought, not too dissimilar from Tony Rudiger in terms of ability and experience. And it seemed like there was some progression uh, planning with Thiago Silva in mind to have Koulibaly come in, give him that lengthy contract for a guy over 30. But I think when I, when I, when I think about Koulibaly, two things come to mind that are concerns. So his ability to lunge into challenges I think that's evident for everyone to see. And then I'm often on the ball, I'm reminded of something uh, Yaya Torre said. In La Liga, he said he had um, eight to nine seconds on the ball before he got closed down. And in the Premier League, he'd be lucky if he got three seconds on the ball before being closed down. And I feel like the speed of the game in England is something that he's still not come to terms with which is an issue because he needs to sort that out because Thiago Silva, although he started to make mistakes because I think he's being overplayed and his age is starting to show, he's still showing that he's a Rolls-Royce of a defender. And we've got players like Shalaba who've been more consistent than him, um, who I think, who I believe have leapfrogged him in the pecking order. And you've still got Fofana who has all the potential ahead of him and he's a £70 million sign-in. So he's definitely one for the future. So he needs to buck up his ideas, really. But ultimately, to answer the question, uh, somewhat disappointed because I hoped he would be able to hit the ground running given his age, experience and his ability. And it's just not worked out that way. 
Fairly put, fairly put. I'm going to come over to you, Jay, as well. So, obviously, you know, he's coming, you know, with, with a big fee. You know, he's currently 31 years of age, so he's got a load of experience. So, where, where do you see um, us going in terms of, like, the, the, the defence? Do you, do you think he's going to be a, a mainstay? Would you want him to be a mainstay? And just how have you thought of him so far in the Chelsea shot? Um, I'll, I'll start off with what I think about him. I think um, on the ball, I've I kind of see, I've seen a lot of what I expected from him anyway in terms of like how progressive he is, how forward like thinking he is with his passing and that. Like I, I've enjoyed watching him on the ball at times, um, or most of the time. But I think this kind of like he's a very front-footed defender and he likes to, to anticipate when the ball's coming in and similar to how Silva does it, like he tries to get there first and, and early. Obviously, Silva's much better at it because <laughs> some of the times I see this guy try and run in and, and try and nick the ball, um, he kind of, he kind of like, he, he's almost like he's getting there like a second too late and he's either having to like foul, he's either having to commit like a cynical foul or he's, or he's like struggling to obviously get back after that because everybody's so sharp in this league. And I think that is where he has struggled massively. I think in Italy, you do that and, and you know, a lot of the time you're probably getting away with it. I wouldn't say in the last couple of seasons, because I think Serie A has been actually quite kind of mad the last couple of seasons. But but um, for his majority of the time there, I think if he's been defending like that, he would have probably got away with a lot because I just don't think there is... They're as busy, they're as quick, as sharp. Like the, the premiers are so fast paced. And you you know, you see a random guy that you ain't never seen before, but he turn and, and burn you same way, because it's just it's the premier it. So I'm sure when Aronson rattled him, he was probably thinking, I ain't never seen this guy before, but he is giving me the probably one of the most horrific games ever. Mm. So so like I think for in that in, in that sense, I think he's got a lot to do um in terms of adapting. But he said that in an interview. As well, yeah. like he so he told all the Chelsea fans. He said in his in his interview when he signed, he said um, it will take me time to to adapt to the league. He's like, you won't see the best version of me probably this season. So he he actually knows it himself. So in that in in terms of like that as well, I'm not really worried about him. But my initial partnership, which I was like excited about, and I and I everybody knows my love for Colwell and that I've been saying it from time from like. When I saw him get um, get to the playoffs and that, and I and I seen his season, I watched his games. I said, just start the kid, bro. Just start the kid, because mm. him and him and Fafana for me, in terms of a future partnership, I think that's just a no brainer for me personally. So, yeah. Um, I, in terms of if he's gonna be a mainstay in the future, boy, if Cole comes back, he might have something to say about that still. But we'll see. We'll see indeed. And um, rather than Koulibaly, um, means, I want to talk to you about um, Cucurella. So for me personally, although he hasn't been as good as what I think he can be, I think he's actually been quite harshly done by some fans. Yeah. Um, not just because of the judgment of the performance, but for me more so the fact that when you look at Cucurella and he's coming in, he's coming with an injury for one. So he hasn't really been able to set that set out in, in, in that regard. And then secondly, he struggled a bit this season in terms of illnesses. So that consistency in terms of his fitness levels and the, the ability for him to like play his, his natural game, I feel like he's going he's gonna to suffer for that. So I want to get your thoughts on Cucurella and um, where you think he could potentially improve, you know, in terms of his game at Chelsea. I mean, just I, I want to just say something on, on Koulibaly, and I think Jay did actually touch on it 
um, brief. It's just going to be a brief one. Um, of course, go for it. I'll move on to Cuckoo. Uh, but after, um, yeah, Kulabali, I think um, Jay's right. I feel like he definitely, a player that's front-footed and aggressive, he, for me, he commits. And committing's fine. Having commitment, full commitment is great, in fact, for a defender. But when you are over-committing um, and not getting there, it leaves your team susceptible to being hurt badly. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't say that, like, even in the times where it's not been punished, it's happened. Um, he will get the cynical foul, make it a silly yellow here and there, which puts him on thin ice for the rest of the game. And it gets you nervous because, you know, he's, he's going to play his game same way, you know what I mean? But what I would say is that I'm not particularly worried because, you know, even an elite defender like Thiago Silva and the Frank Lampard looked a little bit shaky at times. Um, and again, that's because of the speed, you know. By and large, the speed of the game was very, very different here. But once he was put into a, a structure that was, you know, befitting of a top player or befitting of a top team, Thiago Silva looked like the world's worst defender that he actually is. Obviously, Structurally, even under Tuchel this season, we've looked a bit of a shambles. So obviously, you're not really going to see the best version of Kula Bali. Generally, because he's one, he's not up to speed in terms of sharpness. Familiarity with this league, it still needs to take some time to adjust. And there's just the structure of the team is quite a bit of a mess at the moment. And where you're not familiar with your surroundings, your teammates, and knowing exactly when you should be front forward or when you could be a little bit more reserved, He's not at this moment in time, doesn't really know. It's like Rudiger when he first came, super aggressive at times and he'll cost us, you know what I'm saying? So he'll learn. I, I think he's a quality player. He'll learn. Um, but again, if it persists, then we've always got quality in the background lurking. Like, like I said, Levi Colwell, and I've said this for time, this kid's the real deal. The real, real deal. You know what I mean? So if Koulibaly ain't up to it, Colwell is. I know that for facts. You know what I'm saying? So that's Kuli. In terms of Korea. Completely agree with you, Babs. Um, I think a lot of circumstances have played um, a part in his, not poor form, but his um, up and down form. I think he's had some really good games, but then I also think he's had some really poor games. Um, and I think at this point, you know, you're at the, I don't know. I don't know where best you use him. Because I think a left wing back when he was playing under two, but I thought it was really good, man. Um one thing that you didn't get from him was that real goal threat, that penetration um, in a attacking sense from him. You obviously, you got the penetrative passing to open up the play, which is great because you could dominate. But in terms of like a threat going forward, especially in a team that lacks attacking threat, it becomes an issue. Now, is it so much an issue if your attack's sorted? No, but this is what I was saying before. If you fix that attack, so many of your requirements, demands on other players shifts. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be looking at Chilwell for goals. I'm not going to be looking at Chilwell to be getting the goals and assists. I'm not going to be looking at Reese James to get that. I'm not going to be looking at midfielders to get that. I'll be so, I'll be fully reliant upon the attack. And then those other guys can supplement. So if they get it or not, it's a positive. You know what I mean? So I think, hopefully, if Potter gets in the attack as he wants and gets us attacking... As, a, as the front three, getting them playing well, attacking well, then I think the perceptions on Kukurea will change because I think he's a very, very good player, very good defender. Um, he isn't the fastest, um, but 
you know, he's very, very sharp. So I think, yeah, I think he'll be okay. I, I you know, I've, I've rated him before. Um, I still rate him now. I don't think I've seen um, anything to really change my mind um, in regards to that. What I've what I've seen of him is what I really expected. Um, barring, you know, the a bit sometimes he can be a little bit um, shoddy, um, but I think that's by and large down to his fitness and health. To be honest. Very, very, very much well agreed. And um, before we end, I want to talk briefly about um, the recruitment. You know, so obviously a, a big um, thing has been made out made out about the fact that, you know, we're bringing in a whole new recruitment arm. So in comparison to where we were with um, Abramovich, where we had more of like a committee where you had the chairman, um, the chairperson, the marina, and then you had um checking, you know, bringing in input. I feel like now we're having a, little, a bit more a bit more specific in terms of like what we're actually doing, you know, in terms of like having more set out roles. And I think there may be a worry there in terms of like having too many cooks in the kitchen. But I know we spoke about it briefly, Jay, and I know you wanted to give your thoughts on it um, during the pod. So I'm going to leave the floor open to you now to go for it. Yeah, no, I, to be honest, I think, um, to be fair to Chelsea, yeah, even under the old regime, I think there was a time where we were actually really good with getting in like, a lot of the talents and getting in, you know, decent young players and stuff like that. But I think one thing that I think I've heard Meads talk about a lot as well, like in the past, about how we judge certain young players and and you know like the way we the way we kind of organise the whole thing for the, for their pathway and stuff like that. That has always been and it's always just seemed like so messy. And I feel like um, I know he got a lot of stick for it when he made when he had the press conference Todd Bowley about and um, when he was speaking about KDB and Salah. But obviously, I don't think he was genuinely talking about like, them being in our academy. I think he's just saying that, you know, the clubs had young, young players here that are top, top talents. And for some reason or another, they just don't end up getting given the chance. And we've always said, I think the majority of us as Chelsea fans, like on, in Chelsea are anyway, we've always said it's more of a thing of opportunity enough so that we can know that they can't make it here. Do you understand? And... and we do need to go out and get somebody rather than just not even kind of explore that option of finding out whether they're a good enough player or not. And that's, that for me is where I'm excited about this whole kind of new structure because Todd's made it clear as well, it's not just going to be about the Chelsea team. It's going to be about, you know, the youth team, the women's team. Um, it's about even just getting, a, what do you call it, players, um, go into like another club if he's if we're owning another club. So I think it's a much bigger project than than maybe some Chelsea fans think. So that is why there's probably a lot of people also in the team, but they're also going to have like specified roles as well. And I think if they all come together and they work well, I think I'm a firm believer that if it works well, Chelsea will be able to be at the forefront of of pretty much like blooding through a lot of the top talents in the world, not just in England, I think in the world, because Chelsea have always had pull to get top talents. Like, we've always had it. You see all these pictures of, like, you, or you hear all these articles about Mbappe being here when he was 14 and all this kind of stuff. So my thing is, like, if if Chelsea have this team and they have these guys and they're, and they're as good as, you know, people have said they are, are we going to start seeing these kind of talents that are coming to us so early being spotted and, and being kind of, you know, backed a little bit more rather than you know, letting some of them go. I know it's hard to judge players at 14, 15. I'm not saying it's easy, but 
you know, that's why these guys get paid the big money in it. Like they're they're the ones that spot these guys. Do you understand? So and and I think the one of the most positive things I've heard in the in the whole of like this kind of setup is Neil Bath being given a role to kind of have his say on the first team because I think he's probably had a lot to say about a lot of the youngsters that haven't been given an opportunity um at Chelsea Football Club. And I think um, you know, it will be nice to see how it kind of goes with with uh, the next kind of batch of young talent coming through at Chelsea. That because obviously now we've got like Carney and we've got um Kasede from from Inter Milan. We've got quite a few like guys now, Hutchinson. So it's going to be very interesting to see like what the new team and new and how the new structure goes with all these kids like so close to like first team ages because. Now, 18, 19, 20, you, you shouldn't be shocked to see an 18-year-old in the, in the starting lineup. That's why I was so happy about Lewis Hall playing because I feel like out of all the statements that have been made about like, by uh, managers and youth players playing, I feel like that was a massive statement to play Lewis Hall. Do you understand? Like, to play him against City and then to play him against Newcastle, yeah, granted, Chilwell's injured, so it probably makes it a little bit easier. But um, still, though, to trust him so early... And, and for him to produce the way he has, I think it was just a big statement in terms of, you know, how we might move forward and how we might be looking at things in terms of these youngsters. So, but in general, I just want the structure to be right. I want the squad to be balanced. I want, you know, the, the kids at Cobham, especially first, that like, to get opportunities and obviously the other kids that, that come from abroad or whatever, same thing. If, if, they're, if they're a good enough talent, then 100%. Like, I'm not scared of a young team playing for Chelsea, like, I know experience is important, but I also think like creating a team that grows together, that can that can kind of create chemistry together and, and build together. I think that's just as important in a title winning team. So even if it takes a couple of seasons to get there or, you know, three seasons to get there, it might be something that you start that you can then refresh little by little as you go along. Do you get what I'm saying? And then you kind of stay at the top rather than just be good one year shit the next good one year shit the next I, I'm, I'm kind of done with that whole thing now so I'm hoping that's where it takes us very well put and I think that structure point you made was um very very important because I think one of them Chelsea fans biggest problems has been this discarding mentality whereby I feel like we see a play, youth player get a debut and it's like okay he's got to perform now to prove that he, he deserves a chance to have an opportunity here at Chelsea I and mean, if he doesn't perform well well, where they can go, you know, I, I feel like that's been a big, a really, really big issue. And I feel like having a Neil Bath, you know, on the on the board in terms of like recruitment and transfers, I, I feel like that's going to be important just in terms of having like that kind of guy that's going to be in the youth players' corners, you know, to also fight their fight. So, um, before we end the podcast, so Means Timson, do you have any, do you have any um, closing thoughts? Potter's not going anywhere anytime soon, so. I'll just try and keep an open mind and see what he does uh, when the World Cup break when the World Cup break ends and we go back to it. Uh, boy, like like Timson said, he's not going anywhere, so might have to suffer for a long time. Well, yeah, means you're gonna have to back him anyway, man, because Cho Cho's gonna be back, bro. He's gonna I, be back. I, no, I don't have to back no one, even if Cho is bro. I don't have to back no one. Like, if, if I don't rate, I don't want to rate it. Like, I'm just, I just, I just sit back and watch. Bro, what I'm seeing, if it don't improve, I can't. I can't support it. I can't back it. I just no, I, no, I do agree, though, that, that after the World Cup, we do need to see um, 
some sort of improvement. Oh, I do man. agree with that. That is, I think we all agree on that. Like that, we can't yeah. be as but as. If, 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 we clapped, if we get clapped against well, what Forest. We're playing Forest, and then we're playing <laughs> we're playing Forest, Bournemouth, um, Bournemouth, then and then it's Liverpool, I think. No, sorry, then no, no, it's, it's Bournemouth, it's Bournemouth, um, yeah, it's Bournemouth, and then we play, um, then we play City. Oh, yeah, so, boy, we'll see in it. We'll see. It could be a very, very like I said. I said it in the group chat. They thought I was crazy. I said we could be 14th by the 7th of January, and people think it's a joke. Like, let's see what let's see what the loyalists are saying when we're 14th. You know what I mean? Because I remember people saying, "Yeah, well, I'll go down with Lampard." I'm like, "All right, bro. Let's see. We'll see. We'll see what we're saying. We'll see what we're saying." The drop off. The drop-off, yeah, and I'm going to be real. The drop-off, the dr- and when are we going to start actually being real, yeah? The drop-off between Tuchel and Potter. Like, if we end up, like, if we say 15th, four, we say 14th, 15th, and we finish third last season, the drop-off, if we were to end up 14th or something like that, uh, when are we going to say that's unacceptable? When are we going to actually come up and say, yeah, nah, that's unacceptable? When are we going to actually stand up and say that? Because we could talk about trust in the process, but fair enough, processes should take place and they should be allowed to form. But 14th? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, let's see. Let's see. Well, I guess we're going to have to wait and see to see if that actually does happen. But again, guys, <laughs> thanks for listening. We'll have some World Cup content for you guys coming out very, very soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But again, thanks for listening. Don't forget to use the hashtag and peace. Peace. He done it! The greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club! European champions! They've beaten Bayern in their own backyard! They've found the Holy Grail! After adventure, fraught with danger! And Drogba may never play for Chelsea again! He will never be forgotten! He's in Sports Social Podcast Network.